0: It doesn't derive from. That's not what that word means. Derives from. I do, Hawaii. I do not think that word means what you think it means.
1: <laughs>
2: hey, everyone. I'm David Harris. Thanks for tuning in to Coffee Rants and All Things Christian with the Part Few Pastors. Joining us today is Daniel, John Seth, Skyler, and Mike. Last week, we didn't really hit on the coffee part of this podcast. And so every week, we are going to try to bring in a new coffee. And uh, today, John Seth brought in something that we're going to try and maybe talk about a little bit. John Seth,
1: tell us a little bit about that. This is a strong-bodied dark roast from the site of a vol- active volcano in the big island of Hawaii. Shout out to Alan and Carrie Sammons for getting us this coffee. Mike, Skyler, what are your tasting notes?
3: (laughs) There are tasting notes?
1: There are tasting notes. Just take a sip. Tell us what you taste.
4: I needed a lot of French vanilla for this one.
1: Okay. All right.
2: Tastes like coffee. Boo. I got to say, I'm not typically a fan of dark roast coffees. It was pretty good, though. I just took a sip.
0: It is a really good dark roast coffee. Typically, hints of, you get a little, it get, tends to get a little bit burnt tasting, but yeah. really don't have yeah. that in this one.
1: I'm getting a, a hint of lava. <laughs> oh, you can taste the lava.
3: <laughs> like, should I be tasting pineapple because it's from Hawaii?
1: I wish, That's man. That's a good question. That would have been better. I wish.
3: Okay, rather than lava, it's actually roasted to death.
0: Like dark roast is just not the best. Yeah, but
3: but this
2: is not. It, there's no aftertaste. I mean, it's not. No, it's not bitter at all. Yeah. So that's that's
0: pretty I, smooth. I was being serious. It's a good yeah. dark roast.
2: Oh, I was going to say, I've actually had a coffee that on the bag it said tasting notes of pineapple. Really, it tasted nothing like pineapple no, yeah, but, yeah. at all. But okay, but it said that it did, which was interesting. <clears throat>
1: tasting notes are a gimmick. Yes, They're because gimmick. it's it's the guy who roasts The beans taste it and goes, you know, this tastes like this. Uh, It's very, like, it's very subjective. subjective, Right.
2: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all like a sales gimmick for sure. But yeah, good coffee. Thanks for bringing it in Johnson. You're welcome. So personally, I've been pretty blown away by the response we've gotten from the first episode that we did a couple weeks back. Uh, But I want to go ahead and ask the guys, how do y'all feel about the response to the podcast so far? I'm grateful that it's more than just our mothers
4: listening to it.
0: Yeah, I was expecting, like, you know, 12 people. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty high. five of them in this room. Right.
2: (laughs) It might go down after the first one, though. Yeah, right.
4: They might have listened to the first one and thought, oh, eh, not for me.
2: Yeah, what's hilarious is you can see the stats of the podcast. So when we posted the first episode, it shows you how many downloads you have so far. And then it's got a section below it that says predictions for how many downloads you'll get for the next podcast. We had over 100, and it was like prediction for the next podcast, zero downloads. And I was like, (laughs) that seems about right. (laughs) That's that's a little bit hurtful. Yeah. (laughs) I checked it again today. It's at 240. So we'll see if it lives up to that. Mm. But anyway, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Somewhere between between
3: zero and 240.
2: Well, we decided it would be uh, best to keep our banter topic uh, that we argue about uh, sort of a secret until all the guys get into this room. Because otherwise you've got maybe all of these thoughts that you've already said before we started the podcast. So every week I'm going to write a topic that we're going to argue about on a card and I'm going to have one of the guys read it today. Daniel's going to read our topic of discussion. I'll turn it over to Daniel. Here we go. Opening the card.
0: Do these candies deserve to be eaten or thrown in the garbage? Let's go. Should we take these one at a time? Let's do it one okay. at a time. Number one, cowtails. garbage, you guys are crazy.
1: Cowtails are amazing. <laughs> Cowtails even... are on the throne of best candy ever. Oh it's my like, goodness. It's like
3: caramel and then cream in the middle. I, I don't understand. Yummy.
1: It's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's almost like happiness and joy it in is, a candy. It
3: is. You eat, you eat one and it just brings a smile to your face. Oh my now, gosh. I
0: had never heard of a cowtail until recently. Uh, me too. Probably because my parents loved me. <laughs> and didn't try
2: to feed in the garbage. Seriously. I had a good childhood, but, so I ate, like, Reese's. And exactly. Eat, right? Exactly. Right.
0: Real candy. When were Not you born, David? This, like, two cow days ago? Tails?
2: 99.
0: <laughs> Are there I Reese's can't. available? Like, does a matter. cow
4: tail is what you're going to choose?
2: Let me put it this way. We had, you know, we always have candy in the office in a jar. And one day, John Seth walked in, and there were Reese's in the jar. There were plenty. And then... Next to them was a jar of this old candy, and there was a cow tail in there. And John Seth got really excited and chose that. I cannot fathom Amen. choosing a cow tail over a Reese's. That My, just does not make sense to me. I'm My, just going know. on the record to say I resent you calling it old candy. Yeah, <laughs> me too. So, which came out for... Actually, Reese's might be old too. I'm, I'm not sure. But, but anyway. it's good. Yes, exa- right. That's the point. Number two, what's the second? Number
0: game? two, Werther's Originals.
2: See, here's where I'm a I fan. switch sides. Hey, because I fan. I love Werther's originals. They're kind of addicting, though, honestly, because you can't just eat one.
1: <laughs> Amen. Yeah,
2: they are not bad. But is there other thing? Are there other things
4: available?
0: No, no, no. I I, I ate those at my grandparents' house because there was nothing else available. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but they they were okay. We, we may or may not
3: have a full container filled with Werther's originals uh, in a cabinet at our house.
1: I so, bought a bag last week. It. okay, so. there we go. Wow. All right, because hey. there were no cowtails but
2: not quite as bad. What's the third? Circus
0: peanuts.
1: Ooh, let's go! Come on, let's go! Bring it on! You're Orange marshmallowy language. things.
0: That's, they're like Amen. the styrofoam peanuts. Styrofoam. That's all that that's they right. are. They're just bagged and sold. Are they different flavored? from yeah. like
4: the peanuts that you put into box for packaging?
0: No, that's what I'm saying. They're the same thing. Right, right, yeah. 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 Bring them all. They dissolve in your mouth. You know, it's 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 disgusting in every way.
3: I don't know, man. They're kind of up there with orange slices for me. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I was getting another look from not on the the guys across the table. I know it's not on the list that, you
4: know, these are probably all garbage. Yes. To me
2: at the very, very bottom of my list of candy and foods and anything consumable circus peanuts is down there. That might be like among the worst things in the world for me. It's probably top 15 for me. That's crazy.
3: I don't know if it's top fifteen, but it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I like them because of the nostalgia, for me, because I I grew up Your with nostalgia those. I grew terrible. I I grew up with those in the household. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going for taste? No, I mean it, it's they're good. Uh, well, I I do like to... them. I do. If there's a bag of them there, I'm going to eat them. And I know if there's a bag on your counter, you're going to throw them in the garbage. So that's the difference. No, I'm going to bring them
2: to you. Okay, but, uh, I like that.
3: See, that's the and then make fun of you while you eat them. That that kind of candy is not individually wrapped either. So it's like you buy the bag; it's yours.
2: Mm, Amen. That makes sense. The fourth
1: candy
0: and number four York peppermint patties.
1: I'm yes. speaking my love language today, man, man. I buy the extra big ones. Yeah, those the, things
3: are good. Man. I I just I'm a fan of mint chocolate. So,
0: Same. Uh, those little Andes candies, York peppermint patties. Hey, man, uh, I am a big fan of mint and chocolate, but just not together. Mint chocolate chip ice cream.
3: See, peppermint
0: that's my mocha from Starbucks. Yep. The
3: chocolate mint uh, shake from Chick-fil-A in the wintertime. Oh, I mean, okay. I'll be <laughs> see, right
0: back. I've got to throw up.
3: Oh,
2: see, <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of split on this. When it comes to like milkshakes and stuff, I love... Mint chocolate chip ice cream and milkshakes, and the Christmas Chick Fil A milkshake is fantastic. But for some reason, like when it's a chocolate bar and you mix mint with it, it just grosses me out. York
3: peppermint patty—it's a cool breeze blowing through your hair. (laughs) That was the old commercial. (laughs) Yeah, or the Seinfeld uh, uh, episode where they talked about Junior Mints. You've lost all. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. According to Kramer, junior mints are refreshing. Help me out, Skylar. We need some sanity in the room. Uh,
4: Well, I just, I think it's funny that John Seth and Mike agree on all the candy. That is interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. As much as John Seth gives Mike a hard time. Also, I don't know if, I mean, David keeps looking at you, Mike, whenever he says old candy. I I I know,
3: I know. I'm I'm kind of hurtful. Not yet taken exception to it, but um, it's coming close.
2: I'm looking forward to hearing what all of our people have to say because this past week I've had so many people come up to me and tell me how ridiculous I am about the Krispy Kreme donuts thing. So, for right. good reason. Maybe, maybe the tables will turn and people will be telling Mike and John Seth how crazy they are for liking it I have a feeling cans. they're going to like the same candy as us. Yeah. How exactly. the turn tables. Time will tell. Tables. So we have a form on the PBCLC website where anyone can send in questions that they might have for us moving to a more serious topic, we're going to attempt to answer one of the questions that we received in the past week. If a person accepts Jesus, but still sins is he or she really saved. And they gave us an example, uh, someone that might be a drug addict or an alcoholic that just can't seem to get free from that particular sin. So what do you guys think?
3: Well, first John, uh, and we'll just jump in with the Bible because that's probably the best place to go with questions like this. Absolutely. Cause it's, it's a, it's a legitimate question. And, uh but, but in 1st John, it says, if, if, in uh, chapter 1, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But then he gives us hope. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so, so we understand that even after conversion, there's going to be some struggles, um, with sin. We're still going to, to sin. We, we have an advocate um that's what he says in chapter 2 verse 1 uh, if anyone sins we have an advocate with the father uh, jesus christ the righteous so it's the righteousness of christ that maintains our status in the covenant um as opposed to our unrighteousness kicking us out of the covenant uh when we are truly saved um and so so yeah we accept christ i mean the simple answer is we accept christ uh and still sin are we saved yes we we are saved but we we want to be careful uh, when we, when we use that kind of language, um, just because we don't want to give license to, to certain things.
0: Um,
4: yeah. That's right. And that brings to mind, you know, Paul mentioning in Romans six, you know, are, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means? How can we, who died to sin still live in it? Um, you know, it doesn't give us license to, to sin, but we do recognize that, uh, that those things are going to
0: happen. In particular, cases of of addiction, because I think that's that's what this this question came from from kind of that angle. Um, I, I think it's important to to know that there is always hope in the gospel. So if you are a if you are struggling with addiction, or if you have a loved one who is struggling with addiction, there is there is hope for both of you uh, in the gospel. Uh, Galatians five one says, "For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery." So he's calling us to that freedom and uh, and and that's a that's a genuine offer of, of freedom from sin uh, so so we can hang on to that hope uh, in both situations
1: yeah that kind of reminds me of in gentle and lowly when it was talking about as a believer when we sin our first thought is uh we're we're no longer like we we run from God we we'd think that God is disgusted with us and it just brings back to mind that that he points out in that book that one who truly follows jesus jesus runs towards his child who sins and he draws near to jesus and that 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 gives me hope
0: that's good um i've got to actually mentioning gentle and lowly i've got a quote from a chapter that we read together just a couple of weeks ago uh, he ends the chapter um, this way our sinning goes to the uttermost but his saving goes to the uttermost And his saving always outpaces and overwhelms our sinning because he always lives to intercede for us. My favorite, uh, phrase in the book there. Yeah, that's good. good. Yeah.
2: I think that might be the quote scholar was referencing last week and man, that has really stuck with me. That's really great.
0: I, I do
3: think that when, when we're dealing with, um, uh, addictions and and those kind of things. Th- there are some worldview issues associated with that, and and we we tend to, as believers, should look at them a, a in a way that is different from the way the world views them. Uh, I mean, the Bible is very clear that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are made new. So, so I know that we have systems in, uh, in place where, where people go to get help for their addictions. And, um, it just seems sometimes that they, the focus is on that addiction all the time rather than the freedom that we find in Christ, as, as we mentioned in Galatians. Um, and so we, we just want to make sure um, and again, I, I, get that, that the, that some of those things are very helpful. Um, and I would never want to take away the benefit that comes from being involved in, uh, in Celebrate Recovery or, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or any, any of those things, because I know that some people have been, been, uh, have benefited from them. Um, but, but we also need to know that in Christ, we are a new Creation. We are something different. Our old is is past. We we need to put that behind us. And the gospel gives us the power to put that behind us. The gospel gives us the power to overcome those things. And so, the the idea is is if we think of it in these terms, God created us um, with the personalities that we have, and some of us. Uh, have maybe more addictive personalities than others. So we know people who struggled with, say, alcoholism, they come to know Christ and they put it down and never think about it again. And yet others come to know Christ and they struggle in their alcoholism every day. Um, And and so I I don't know how we reconcile that other than to say uh, that God created us with the different personalities that we have. He created us with an addictive personality, but I would submit that God created us with an addictive personality so that we would be addicted to Him, that we would long for Him rather than the stuff that the world uh, the world uh, supplies. Uh, one of the one of my go to passages when I when I think about addictions and people that are struggling in addiction is Psalm forty two. Psalm forty two verse one says, "As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God." When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they, everybody around me, continually say to me, where is your God? So here the psalmist is longing to hear a word from God. He's longing to interact with God. He wants nothing more than his next fix of God. If you want to use the language of the addict, he's looking for a fix from God. And, and I think that's that's what the gospel does is it 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 replaces the worldly addictions that trap us with an addiction for, for God. And so somehow we have to, we have to, uh, we have to, the the God, we have to allow the gospel to make that transformation in us, uh, to, to change us. And, and, uh, that's, that's sometimes easier said than done. And we'll readily admit that, but we understand that every good gift comes from above. And even that addictive personality, um, can be used for the glory of God when it, when it draws us into a relationship that's deeper with him.
4: That's a good word, Mike, in situations with uh, addiction that people get caught up in. Okay. How do I fight this addiction? How do I, what are, what are ways that I can fight this addiction as opposed to seeing Jesus or seeing the gospel, reconciling that through the gospel? I think that's a good word.
3: Well, the whole purpose of, of the discipline of fasting was, was so that we could, we could, uh, uh, maintain some sense of, of control over those, those passions that, that tend to uh, overcome us. And and so instead of the purpose of fasting was to, to go to, instead of going to the refrigerator for that day, you'd go to the bread of life and you'd feast on God's word for that time of, of fasting. So uh, just just some different things. We we tend to focus on, on the addiction or the addictive behavior uh, rather than moving our focus somewhere else, um, and, and towards, towards God. So, uh, again, the, the, the short answer is that, that if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. Yes, you are saved, even though you still might sin. We know that we have an advocate, what we don't want to do is say, this is how I was born. This is just who I am. God's just going to have to settle for this addictive behavior that I'm now involved in, uh, because that's not the purpose of the gospel. There's no forgiveness in that because there's no repentance in that. And, and the bottom line is, uh, we tend to talk about outward behaviors when everything that the Lord looks at is, is a matter of the heart. And so we know, even if we're struggling in, in a particular addiction, we know where our hearts are before the lord if we'll take the time to honestly evaluate that
4: another quote that gentle and lowly mentions that i think can be a comfort to those who might be in the midst of addiction if they're if if we're in christ um and gentle and lowly a quote he says is he stands and speaks in our defense when we sin not after we get over it so he's in the in the midst of uh sin with you and and then earlier he also quotes he cites with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He hates sin, but he loves you. And so I think that can be an encouraging word to those who might also uh, be in the midst of some type of addictive addictive thing.
2: Yeah. I also, um when we speak to our students about different sins and things like that, I always tell them not to get tunnel vision on just like one sin because the point isn't I mean, if you're wanting just to be free from guilt of the sin and so all your efforts are focused on this one thing and you're never thinking about going to God and his word or your intentions and in going to his word is just to get rid of this one thing and that's all you're focusing on. I think we need, if you're in that place, you need to perspective shift to where you're just chasing after God. Because I like what you said. If you have an addictive personality, uh, you just want to shift it to where your addiction is on, on Christ and not that sin. And so...
3: Yeah. And I, and I would just say one, one more thing. Um, when it, when it comes to sin, especially addictive type of sin, where we it's a repeated behavior where we seem to be trapped in it. Um, the, the world tries to convince us that we can get rid of not just our shame, but our guilt. Um, and, and we can to a sense, get rid of any kind of shame because we can just change our, our view of inhibitions and, and change our view of morality. Uh, we can redefine that. Um the, the problem is, and why some of this stuff keeps trapping us, is because we're trying to get rid of a guilt that we can't get rid of. That's right. Because only the gospel can free us from the That's actual right. guilt. Guilt is a status that is that is given to us by our sinful nature. It is imposed on us by a holy God, and only that holy God can take that guilt away. So if we want to be free from the guilt of addiction, we're going to have to rely on the gospel at some point in order to free us from that. That's right. That's right.
1: I think Hebrews, Hebrews 9.14 says that it purifies our conscience of dead works Mm. yeah, and uh, that taking away that guilt is only by Christ's complete sacrifice where he purifies us completely.
2: Yeah, that's good. So this podcast launches a new series that we're going to start on the church throughout the next few podcasts. We're going to be tackling different topics about what the church is, why the church is, and what that means for us. To kick things off, we want to lay a foundation, answering that first question: What is the church?
0: So, answering that question, what is the church? I've got uh, I've got some some statements of faith uh, from a Baptist perspective. Obviously, we're Baptists, so we've got to figure it out just a little bit better than everybody else. That's right. <laughs> so. <laughs> starting with uh starting with the Baptist Faith and Message uh 2000 uh I'm going to I'm going to read their statement on the church and this is what our what our church would uh, subscribe to A New Testament Church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel observing the two ordinances of Christ governed by his laws exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by his word and seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. Each congregation operates under the lordship of Christ through democratic processes. In such a congregation, each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord. Its scriptural officers are pastors and deacons. While both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. The New Testament speaks also of the Church as the body of Christ, which includes all of the redeemed of all the ages, believers from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. man, you ask a Baptist for the time, and they tell you how to build a watch.
3: Good grief
1: <laughs> yeah i think I think uh you know just simplifying that is the Church is more than a building, it's the people, and I love what Garrett Kill says he says that. The word church means assembly. It's an assembly or gathering of people who believe good news about Jesus. If you want to, break now, all, all that Pastor Daniel has said in the, the Baptist Faith and Message, that kind of takes that simplified thing and expounds on it. But I, I think that for me, when I'm thinking about what is the church at the most basic, it's people who have trusted in Christ, and they gather together as a local congregation.
3: I think the, uh, when we talk about the church, we actually are, are, are speaking in a, a, a spiritual sense. There is a spiritual element to yeah. the church, yeah. um, that is made up of all, uh, all people who have, uh, professed a faith in Christ, um, uh, throughout the ages, throughout 2000 yeah. years of church history, uh, one thing that the, that the people in the church have in common if they're truly in the church, and not just assigned to an institution, but if they are in the church, they have the a confession of faith in Christ. Um, we go back to to Matthew and Jesus said, "Who do you say that I am?" And Peter says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And Jesus says, on this rock, on that confession of faith, on that foundation, I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. So Jesus is building for himself a spiritual church. And as we've said before, everything that is spiritual, in order for us to really get our minds around it, has to have some kind of physical manifestation. And so the physical manifestation of the spiritual church is the local gathering, the local congregation, the thing we call the local church. So when we talk about the, the local church, we're talking about a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Christ and his kingdom through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. Um, yeah, and so so that kind of ties in what, what John says said and what Daniel read out of the yeah. Baptist Faith and Message, um, that the church is made real to the world. Through the local gathering of the congregation. That's why it's so important. That's why the writer of Hebrews, mm-hmm. and we haven't gotten there yet in our study, but the writer of Hebrews talks about don't forsake the gathering together. Why? Because, because that's how the world sees the church. It's a spiritual entity right. that has to be demonstrated in a physical form. And so the, God has ordained, I believe, the local gathering in order for the, the world to see uh, the church at work now when it comes to the mission uh, of christ and the mission of the gospel and all those things we can consider our, our, ourselves as uh, as i think some people refer to it as a kingdom outpost yeah. we're we're called to do kingdom work which means we're we're authorized by our king to take the message of the gospel to our cities that we're called to serve but also to the nations yeah. and, and and so we we are we are kingdom outposts we are in a way, behind enemy lines, um, trying to take the good news of the gospel to those who desperately need to hear it. Yeah.
1: And I like two categories as big C church, as in, like you said, believers throughout all the ages, and then little C church being yeah. the local church that you have covenanted yourself together as a faith community.
3: And, and that covenant is demonstrated through the, the Lord's Supper, yes. through the the taking right. of communion together, communion, you know, the same root word community, it all comes together, It ties us to the mission of Christ. We are, we are baptized into the church. Uh, that is the first mark of, of a, a follower of Christ. We're baptized into the church. And then, and then that, that covenant is demonstrated. It's maintained by Christ in his gospel, but it's demonstrated through the ongoing
0: commitment to, uh, observing the Lord's Supper. So how about a much shorter definition than my last one? This is from Mark Dever in a theology for the church. The church is a body of people called by God's grace through faith in Christ to glorify him together by serving him in his world. That's good.
3: That's good. I think the commonality in all of these definitions and, and something that might even be lost on the cultural Christianity of today is the fact that, that those who are a part of the true church are in fact regenerated or to use the words of Jesus in John three, born again. Uh, we are, we are born into worldly systems, into a worldly nature. We are born again into the body of Christ, into his church. And so you can have your name on a church membership role but still not be a part of the church. And, and I think that's where, that's where we get sideways. That's where churches get sideways with each other. That's where the frustrations come with trying to do life together, um, is if we are not converted, uh, into Christianity, then we are going to have a hard time maintaining unity within the local body of Christ. Because what binds us together yeah. is that conversion experience. It is that, yeah. it is that, uh, that <laughs> salvation experience and the confession of, of faith in Christ. Uh, And so, so that's where, that's where some of the the problems come from. And I know that there are people out there who, who say, you know what, I I don't, I don't believe in organized religion. I was hurt by organized religion. I was, you know, hurt by the local church. And, and, and we get that. We understand that completely that, that because people are people and people still struggle in a sinful nature that, that uh, hurt can come from that. And, um, you know, the churches ourselves included need to repent of those times when we Mm -hmm. have hurt uh members yeah. of of our body members of of our church family um but but that it still doesn't it doesn't diminish the necessity of being involved in a local community right. uh, because Christ has ordained that that local community to carry out his work that that's is right. the mechanism by which we take
0: the gospel to the nations amen yeah i don't think we can love christ without loving his church
3: yeah that's good yep That's
0: right.
1: That seems
3: to be what the new
0: Testament indicates.
3: Yeah. I
1: mean, Jesus (laughs) tells his disciples, they're going to know you by your love. Right. And he's talking about the the collective disciples that are there. And you know, that kind of translate to us today, like the disciples around us, we're called to love. And I think that's an issue that I personally know some uh, family members and just friends that I have with Christianity is they're saying, you, you claim to know this Jesus and love this Jesus, but there's so much disunity within the church and amongst other Christians. I mean, you take five seconds on Christian Twitter, mm-hmm. and you see the disunity that there is, and they say, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want that. You guys say that you love each other, but then you post on Twitter all these other things. That tells me, actually, no, you don't. Right. So I think it's just, it does. It, there's a necessity for us to love one another. That's why there's so many one another commands in the New Testament is because they're going to know us by our love for one another. And I think of Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I mean, the early church lays out how we're to act towards one another and the necessity that it is to gather together and to love one another.
3: I I do think that's why community is the original design. And and when I say community, not virtual community. (laughs) Uh, Because you're right, uh, Christian Twitter is a dumpster fire. Amen. Uh, But we are called uh, beyond that. Yeah, that's right. Um, we are called to live in community, uh, actually, and I know it sounds cliche, but we are called to do life together. And, yeah. and as we do that life together, the the world should sense that there is something different about us. And I do know that that some people will say, you know, I don't have to have my name on a membership role. Why do I have to be a part of a, a church? Where's that in the Bible? And, and granted, there are no, there, there is nothing specific in the scriptures that talk about membership roles, but. Um, the fact that there are letters, uh, that are addressed to churches in particular cities, somehow the people receiving that letter identified with the reception of that letter. So while there might not have been an official membership role with a church clerk and you, they might not have, uh, sent a, a letter of transfer from Colossae to Ephesus. Um, the people who were in those churches knew who they were and the people who were in those churches knew who the others were. Um, and so they might not have been defined by a membership role, but they were defined by communion together. Yeah. Um, and, and so in that sense, um, I, I do think that it is proper for people to come and get involved in a local church and join it according to the culture that we live in today. Uh, membership roles are just part of our, our, our culture and a part of our protection. Uh, you know, who's identified with that church is done in an official way for a, a particular reason, especially given our cultural context. Um, So we, we ask people to become a a part of, of the body of Christ by, by engaging in the church, but also being aligned with it officially through, um, through a willingness to covenant together. And that covenant is established in a membership role. We see that too. Um, You know, there are instructions for the church to care for its widows. How do you know whose widows are yours if they didn't have some way of keeping track of, of, of that, you know, so. So that's, that's kind of, there, there are inferences to the value of church membership. One of the things I did want to mention, I cringe when I read this definition of the Baptist faith and message when it talks about privileges. It uses the word privilege in the Baptist faith and message to talk about church membership. Um, and I get it. I get what it's saying, but I also know the message that that gives to the world around us. And I also know the mess, how that message is received, even among church members who tend to think of, uh, When, when, when I think of privileges, I think of, uh, you know, privileges of membership in a country club or privileges of of membership with a particular credit card, you know, membership has its privileges is what the world will say. Um, Listen, the only, the only right or privilege that we have as a member of a local church is to live for the glory of Christ Amen. and his gospel. That's right. that, that is it. There are no other rights or privileges that come Amen. with that. So if you come into a church with expectations that you are going to be served, then you need to remember that Christ did not come to be served, but to serve, Amen. uh, to seek and to save that which was lost. That is our mission. That is our goal. And so if you come to the church to be served, that might be a good entry point, but at some point, at some point you're going to be called on by the gospel to give back to the community of faith and start serving
2: so
1: amen
2: that's good does anybody have any other thoughts just a reminder uh, that you can send us questions on our website at pbclc.com slash podcast don't forget to follow us if you're on spotify or if you're on apple podcast or another platform subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're listening to please leave us a five-star rating tune in next time as we argue about dumb stuff answer your questions and continue our series on the church thanks for listening to coffee rants and all things christian we'll
1: see you next time